You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn them to Psalm 62. And we're going to continue on this topic of prayer. And specifically, uh, Riley uh, introduced uh, the, the new prayer times that we'll have the Tuesday and Thursday morning. And uh, kind of, this is just what I feel the Lord really speaking about over the next amount of time here as a community and that we're really going to embody this. Um, but I, I used the words last week, uh, intimacy and intercession. And um, we're going to talk about both over the coming weeks. And really what I want to call the church and really what my vision would be uh, for Riverhouse and pertains to, as it pertains to prayer is that we be a people who spend a time alone uh, every day with God, and that we also be people who spend a, a weekly, uh, at least once a week, in a type of communal uh, intercession experience with others. And so Tuesday, Thursdays are times of intercession, and we've also encouraged revival group leaders to create um, spaces for community prayer as well. And particularly, we're focusing on the morning hours uh, to do this because we really want to protect your time and we don't want uh, three, four, five evenings a week uh, to be at Riverhouse because you have a life um, to be out there bringing the kingdom to the city. So we want to protect that time. So we will ask that you uh, uh, hopefully wake up a couple hours earlier uh, than usual one day a week and have spaces to pray in the morning. And so um, we're just really going after this and uh, Tuesday, I think we probably had 50 people in the prayer room at 6 a.m., and uh, Thursday we'll be opening, and hopefully that can grow to a similar size, and we hope that we ultimately have these every single day of the week where um, different communities and different people are coming together and really just interceding. Um, but all of that um, intercession is birthed out of intimacy, and so uh, we're going to have um, just, we're really going after this, you know, even the times of transition, we're going to have spaces to pray here, but from the pulpit, we're going to be talking about prayer and really uh, just kind of building a, a holistic foundation of what prayer can look like in our lives and in our church. And so um, just a segue before I really get into it is that if you have questions, uh, as even as it pertains to prayer, please like email me. Um, even if it's just questions that you have, because I would just like to hear what is the consciousness of the church? What are you guys thinking about? Uh, so that we can seek the Lord and even I specifically can seek the Lord as it pertains to what are we presenting? What are we going after here on Sunday? So um, does that sound good? We would love to see you Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, your revival group pastors will, or revival group leaders will have, um, they'll have opportunities as well. And so whether it's on a Tuesday, Thursday, or it's with them, or it's with um, just some friends, neighbors, coworkers, whatever it is, we just want uh, to be a praying church because prayer moves things. So let's do it. Um, Psalm 62 uh, is where we're going to start tonight. And um, rather than talk about intercession, which I will um, get to in the weeks that follow, I'm going to start really on intimacy because I believe that effective intercession flows out of intimacy, which is what we cultivate when it's just us and God alone. Right? So intimacy uh, is the foundation of effective intercession. And uh, I'm just going to read verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 62 here. And this is a psalm of David, and he says this, My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. 
He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. And I think that there's a strong correlation here between a soul that waits in silence and a life that won't be greatly shaken. Right? Because in the kingdom, we live lives that are inside, outside. And so what happens when we, when we can come inside and we've created a life of inner solitude, silence, peace, connection to God, we will not be greatly shaken by the circumstances of life. Uh, I had written this uh, next to that verse uh, on the back uh, years ago, and it said, a life of internal solitude will not be shaken by external circumstances, right? And that is because God does something, when he, when he does a work internal and he actually grounds us in identity, we're actually then equipped to live a life uh, in the midst of the, uh, a, a, a stable life, in the midst of all the noise and the winds and the waves, right? When our life is simply external first and we're just doing things and striving and creating and everything's just um, external and there's nothing within us that's supporting all that we're doing, right? When, when life happens and the anxieties of life, you know, and the volatilities of life take place, we will be full of anxiety, right? We won't be able to walk a life of peace in the midst of it all unless there's something anchoring us from the inside out. Are you following me? So I want to talk about silence tonight. And it's strange to me that it's kind of a strange paradox when you think about it, but I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of silence tonight. And though silence doesn't make any noise, it is extremely loud and it's actually highly confrontational to us as human beings, particularly us and human beings living in a Western context. Uh, if you'll turn your Bibles to Matthew 11, I'm going to read a couple verses, verse 28 through 30, of Jesus speaking when he's inviting us into rest. And these are, again, uh, very familiar verses to anyone that's been around the church for any amount of time. And in Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, so he wants to give us rest, but it's also something that we have to learn to cultivate. Come to me and I'll give you rest, but take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Let me teach you how to live a life of rest. All right, rest is something to be highly treasured in our lives. Uh, Andy Mur uh, Andrew Murray, uh, in his book, Abide in Christ, he's a South African revivalist. Uh, he's been gone with the Lord for many years, but he describes rest like this, and it just got me recently as I was reading this. He says, rest for the soul, it implies deliverance from every fear, the supply of every want, the fulfillment of every desire. Right? That is what rest is. Rest is a very serene experience for the soul. Right? If you've ever, you know, when you are in the peace of God, you never want when you're connected to peace, when your whole being is full of peace, you don't want. Right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is a psalm of peace. He leads me to the green pastures, to the quiet waters. He restores my soul. Right? In that place of peaceful reflection, in that place of divine rest, you're not desiring anything. 
It's, it's very beautiful sensation to be filled and overflowing with the peace of God. And yet this is something we have to learn to cultivate in our lives, right? How many of you, you've experienced peace, say, in a morning prayer time before? And you're like, wow, this is so sweet. Right, And then like an hour and a half later, you're like stressed out of your mind trying to figure out all the chaos going on at work, right? Where'd that peace go, right? Come to me and I'll give you rest, but then you need to learn from me so that you can stay in that rest, right? And that word is abide that Jesus uses most emphatically in John 15, abide in me and I in you. It's not a suggestion. It's not like a great idea. It's actually a command, Abide in me and I in you. That word, it's a forceful remaining. And so Jesus is saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll fulfill the desires. I'll give you peace, overflowing peace that can't be shaken by the world. But learn from me so that you can abide in it and I'll give you rest for your soul. Right, so I want, what I want to talk about is how do we cultivate this internal environment of peace in our lives, because this is the reality, is that the voice of God all throughout church history, even in the scriptures, it's referred to as the still, small voice. It's a whisper. It's a whisper. And you cannot hear a whisper unless you are in silence. Right? If, you do not, if you don't have silence, if you're not in silence, and silence is not just the lack of external noise, it's actually the lack of internal noise. And I'm going to get that in a second, but that's the greatest word. If I don't have silence, external and internal, how do I have capacity to hear a whisper? How do I have capacity to hear his voice? I don't. Right? So it's so significant in the kingdom, it's all built on silence. Silence is actually the foundation of a life of intimacy. Right? And particularly in charismatic context, we almost idolize the, uh, the, the, the dynamic moments of God speaking. You know, like, is anybody, you know, I've done it before. It's like, wow, that person, they've heard the audible voice of God. And we, like, say that like it's a trophy, right? And I'm not saying it's bad, but... I actually believe that a lot of times the God has to smack us on the side of the head and really get a hold of us and speak in these profound ways is because we don't have an atmosphere to hear his whisper, right? He would prefer to speak and whisper, but sometimes he's got to really ding us with something because we don't have the space to listen otherwise. It's kind of how I equate to Thomas, where Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I touch his scars. Jesus lets him touch his scars, but this says, blessed are you who believe. But, you know, he then says it's even... You know, blessed are those that don't need to see and still believe, right? God is wanting to speak and commune with us in whispers. He doesn't, we don't need these crazy experiences where Gabriel comes down and blows the trumpet. Like, that's amazing if he does. But if we can just be at a place of stillness, we'll begin to hear his whisper because that's how God prefers to communicate in whispers. Why? Why does he prefer whispers? Because whispers are the voice of lovers. That's the voice of intimacy, whisper. God wants to whisper to you. But if we don't do the work and if we haven't learned from the yoke of Jesus, which is an easy yoke, right, but it is something we have to learn because it is countercultural to create silence, rest in our souls, we won't be able to hear the whisper. And his whisper is life. His whisper is peace. His whisper is rest. It's what we were created for. 
Right? It's the foundation of intimacy in our lives is silence. There is resistance in this journey. There's a lot of resistance, actually, to cultivating silence in our lives. And that is because we live in a world that is full of, there's external resistors and there's internal resistors. I'm going to start with the external resistors. The external resistance is that we live in a life of ongoing stimulation. Boom, 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 boom. It's just banging us with information almost every moment of our lives. Uh, Pastor Jamie in our staff meeting this week shared a little uh, podcast um, with the staff. And it was this guy that does a lot of uh, like life coaching with executives and so on. And uh, I was really convicted because he was talking about managing the first hour and the last hour of your day to be void of external stimulation. And he said the reality is that we're actually trained as humans, particularly by smartphones, uh, to be um, stimulated first thing in our morning. We wake up because our alarm's on our phone. We turn off the phone. We check our email. We check our Facebook. We check our messages. We check, check, check. We've actually already training ourselves to be stimulated to respond to external stimuli, and it kind of gets our mind already in that track. And so instead of setting our intention in a different way, we're setting our attention to respond to external stimuli, which gets us going down this track where we have no silence and solitude, so we don't really have capacity to hear the whisper. Are you following me? And I was convicted, and I literally, it's on my to-do list uh, to buy an alarm clock. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, 10 years is long enough. It's been messing with my mind without even realizing it. And I'm not anti-technology, but we have to recognize there's such an onslaught of messages constantly coming that we're trying to filter through and, and, and process. And, you know, one of the things that I do, just on a practical note, two things that help me cultivate solitude in my life against external resistance is the first is I often particularly in the warm months, I go up into the foothills, I don't take headphones, I don't take music, I don't take my phone, and I get lost up in the trails. And uh, I particularly like being up there about June, July, August, September, when it is just absolutely dead, dry and dead. And the reason for that is there's absolutely nothing. It's just barrenness. And I always find that in that barrenness, it's the first time my soul starts to breathe and I start finding that what's inside of me is invited to come outside of me. When I'm in the city, everything's always coming at me. There's nothing stimulating me up there. And so what's in me can actually start to release and express and come out. It's one of the reasons that I believe the wilderness is such a powerful place in Christian spirituality. It's because in the wilderness, it's the one place that invites what's in you to come external instead of trying to to force a message down your throat. Does that make sense? This is the world we live in. We're always in an onslaught. We have to seek spaces that are still and barren because it's in that barrenness. It's this blank canvas that you'll begin to externalize what's inside your own soul. And this is important, right? Because it's, it's, it's we're trying to get stillness on the inside, right? Another practical thing that I do is the early morning. Right, so many uh, people, I, I've heard all the justifications, including some of my own, of why you know it's no different to pray in the morning than it is in the evening, and it's just simply not true, because the morning is an undisturbed still time. Uh, you're not getting the phone calls. Of the two, at 5 a.m., nobody's calling you. At 5 a.m., you got nothing to do. At 5 a.m., you, you see what I'm saying? It is very still. It's quiet. It's calm, even if you're outside at the dawn. There's just this very, it's a very still time of the day. And so practically, it, it will help, right? When, because we're trying to create an internal reality of stillness. And when we are not yet strong in that, we can't 
create that reality in the midst of all the noise. It's too much of a fight. Does that make sense? So we have to help ourselves by getting in in external environments that are still so that we can just say, okay, I'm not competing external right now with my environment. Now I've got to get into what's happening inside of me. All right? So mornings are a very effective time to tutor us into stillness. Barren places are effective places to tutor us into stillness, right? So we, we can put ourselves, we can help ourselves out by trying to find pockets of time of ex, where we are void of external stimuli, right? Even pockets of time where you don't take your iPhone with you. I would encourage you, don't take your iPhone with you to pray. There's often times the Lord will say, hey, I want you to go to the prayer room tonight, but don't bring your phone. And it's funny, I always find there's this little thing in me, it's like, oh no, I want to bring my phone. And it's because it, it allows me this little escape. I don't know why, but the times, the richest times of prayer I have are when this is not within my reach. It's just, it, it opens up another form of distraction for me. Right, I'm just speaking out of my own, you following me? Nobody's saying anything, I guess that means you're thinking. So that's external stimuli, which are, is going to be real, and we're going we're gonna to face this on this journey. But the most difficult thing that you and I are going to face on cultivating stillness in our life is not external. It's going to be the stimuli within our own hearts. And I'm going to read a, uh, a, a quote, because this is where the, 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 the greatest resistance comes from. And this is a quote by Brennan Manning uh, out of uh, his book, Abba's Child. When he's speaking about the imposter or the false self or the flesh in, in, in the realm of prayer. He says this. The false self dreads being alone. Knowing that if it would become silent within and without, it would discover itself to be nothing. It would be left with nothing but its own nothingness. And to the false self which claims to be everything, such a discovery would be its undoing. Obviously, the imposter is antsy in prayer. He hungers for excitement, craves some mood-altering experience. He's depressed when deprived of the spotlight. The false self is frustrated because he never hears God's voice. He cannot, since God sees no one there. Prayer is death to every identity that does not come from God. The false self flees silence and solitude because they remind him of death. Author Parker Palmer has stated, Becoming totally quiet and unreachably alone are two of the signs that life has gone, while activity and lively communication not only signify life, but help us evade the prospect that our life will someday cease. Prayer is death to every identity that does not come from God. And that will be the greatest disturbance between you and a life of inner solitude and peace, is that the identities, the things that we build of ourselves and our own motives and our own ambitions and our own striving will be forced to die when they step through the crucible of silence. And this is why. Silence is the equivalent of death to all of those things because all things that derive from self actually are exist and rest upon a foundation of your own striving right i have to strive to get myself as ambitions to come to pass you follow the logic right so to be silent and have solitude 
that will never fall in line with any fulfillment of, of selfish ambition. That just doesn't make sense. Right? It, like, why would I ever be silent if I know that's me wasting time? Right? So there is such a dichotomy shift between the way of the kingdom, the fruit-bearing of the kingdom, and the fruit-bearing of the world. The fruit-bearing of the world rests fundamentally on my striving and my ability to produce. The fruit-bearing of the kingdom is abide in me. And abiding in me takes place in silence. Right? So there's this war within the human soul. Am I going to live according to the flesh or according to the spirit. And the way of the spirit is that I enter into silence. I, I cultivate a place where I come and I'm actually refreshed in my identity by the voice of God. Right? John 10, Jesus is speaking of the good shepherd. He says, to the, to, to the good shepherd, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Right? God is always speaking to our authentic self. He's always speaking to who he created us to be. Right? Oftentimes, Christians are frustrated. I've talked to many people so frustrated that they can't hear the voice of God on a certain matter. Most likely, the reason they can't hear the voice of God on a certain matter is because God's not speaking to that matter because it's actually being derived from self and not from our identity in Christ. Any of you? So frustrated. He's not, I'm trying to speak about this and this. What, why aren't you telling me? Right? It's because there's all this. It's, it's the false ego trying to get God to bless my will. Right? And the pursuit of solitude will inevitably bring this exposure and it will start to reveal what is truly of God and what is truly just of me. And for me to get into the solitude, I'm going to have to sit and process through what's actually going on in my own soul, which can feel like a tornado sometimes. But in the eye of the storm, there is always peace. And if you press into God, you will press in and find the peace. You will find the solitude. You will find that inner shalom. And it is in the inner shalom that the whisper of God becomes like a megaphone. Because in silence, right, peace is the incubator through which the voice of God is distributed. When you have inner peace, hearing the voice of God is as easy as breathing because he's always speaking to your identity. He's always speaking to your authentic self. And you will find that authentic self in silence because you'll find peace. Because this is the deal. When you find peace, when you're in solitude and you're doing nothing, God is speaking to your identity, right? And his food is living bread. It's nourishment. It's life. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When I come to a place of rest and I posture this as the beginning of my day, I receive the nourishment of the voice of God. He's actually nourishing my identity. I'm being refreshed that I'm a human being. I'm not a human, human doing, right? My, I'm, not, I'm not receiving peace because I did anything. I'm receiving peace because of who I am. I'm not receiving guidance because I did anything. I'm receiving guidance because of who I am, right? So I'm actually being built up in who I am in Christ. So then 
I've cultivated this internal reality that I then can now learn to start bringing out into the noise and all the stimulation of life. But I've actually cultivated this shalom. So it doesn't matter if the winds and the waves are knocking against it. I'm anchored in who I am in Christ. Right? We sing the songs, you know, about like all other ground is sinking sand, you know, and I'm on the rock of Christ. This is how the rock of Christ becomes real to us. I sit alone in silence before the Lord, my God, my rock, and my salvation. I will not be shaken. Why? Why won't you be shaken? Because you have an unshakable peace that you have created. I live in shalom. So it doesn't matter what my circumstances, I didn't, my, my circumstances didn't give me it in the first place. Jesus did. Right? We say taglines like we live for, from peace, not for it. We live from victory, not for it. But if we're not cultivating solitude and silence in our lives, that's just a great tagline. It doesn't mean anything. Because this is how we find it. This is how we anchor ourselves in it. It is shalom. It is peace. Right? For me, one of the big markers of spiritual maturity in my life and actually my growth in fulfilling the command of abiding in Christ has been my ability to maintain inner peace in the midst of circumstances that used to freak me out. It's honestly when I get the most excited and there are the moments where I see the spiritual maturation over the years of following and becoming and being discipled by Jesus. It's when it's, I've noted my ability to walk in peace in situations that I used to not be able to walk in peace. Does this make sense? All right, turn your Bibles to, to John 14. I'm going to read a few verses of Jesus describing the Holy Spirit and um, just kind of talk into that. So just follow me. Just kind of jump with me. We're going to read a few verses out of John 14 and then a couple out of John 16. So we'll start at John 14, verse 16. It says, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another comforter, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And then jump to verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. But the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Then jump to chapter 16, verse 12. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he'll take of mine, and he will disclose it to you. All right, so we're told that Jesus is going to send to us another helper, a comforter, 
named the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Truth. So we're told he's a comforter, and then we're told that he is going to teach us all things. He's going to bring to remembrance the words of Jesus. He's going to disclose to us the things that Jesus still wants to speak to us, but he couldn't tell us yet. But he's going to send the Spirit to continue speaking and to continue disclosing to us. Right. So I just want you to make the link between he's told he is our comforter, and then he's told that he's going to speak to us. Right? I make mention of this because I used to hear that the Holy Spirit was the comforter, and I was kind of like, man, that sounds kind of girly. <laughs> like, like, comforter? Like, I just would think of a big white down comforter, and just like wrapped around. It was like, wow, thanks for this comforter, God. You know, like, it made me warm or something. And I just, I, I, I underestimated, and I'm making fun, but I underestimated the power of comfort because comfort wasn't something that I ever really heard described. Right, And I've been reading this book recently by a couple um, counselors. They're marriage and family um, counselors. And they travel the world doing a lot of conferences. They've sold hundreds of thousands of books. And they said this. They said, this is the question we ask people all over the world wherever we go. We say, we want you to remember a time that you received emotional comfort in your life. And they said, this isn't like a pat on the back. But this is when someone, when you were hurting... In your childhood, you were, you were crying or whatever, and someone came and said, you know, what's going on? What's happening inside of you? And then they spoke and encouraged you, and they comforted. They empathized with your pain, and they comforted you. They said that 75% of the people, and they're mostly in churches, 75% of the people said, I do not have one memory of ever being comforted in that capacity. And no wonder the church has such a hard time relating with the Holy Spirit, our comforter. We don't really even know what comfort means. Right? And I want to link here. Comfort comes through communication. Right? Too many people struggle. I struggle to hear the voice of God. I struggle to know. Right? How are we going to receive the comfort that we need from the Holy Spirit, our, our connection to the Holy Spirit, who's speaking to us the things of Jesus, if we don't understand how to hear his voice, right? This, this all works together. And the, and the reason I say this in, in the context of tonight is there is a lot of disturbance that usually keeps, it keeps pushing, pushing Christians. No, go, just go external. Just go to life and conversation and community. You don't want to walk through this, this silence. You don't want to embrace silence, right? It's funny that even though silence isn't saying anything, it is really, really scary for a lot of people. And it's really, really confrontational to the way we live our lives, right? And if we're honest, a lot of you, you know, you know what? Like my body will be tired sometimes. I'll know I need to rest, but I literally don't know how. So I'd rather just, let's just keep zinging, doing something. Get this going, get that going, get that going. I'm just being honest. There's times when I know I need to rest, and then all of a sudden it's like someone sends me a text or this, and I get an idea, and I'm like, ooh. And that I've learned, I'm like, okay, there's a reason I'm resisting. Like I'm resisting rest right here. There's, I, you know, I, I find even still to this day, for me to truly get into solitude, there's always some sort of resistance that I have to stop and push through to get into this place, right? But this disturbance sometimes is very uncomfortable, and we need a comforter to get into this place, and he's the teacher. He wants to get us to the place so that we can hear everything Jesus wants to say, and that's why Jesus knows we need comfort. We need to learn to receive comfort, right? In my case, I'm very grateful that I have many memories of being comforted, 
right, and it is Mother's Day, so praise the Lord, and that's one of the big roles mothers play in our life is emotional comfort and nurture, right? It's mom, dad, create them together are the picture of the Godhead, right? Mom, dad, so, and for me, I've shared this story before, but it was a powerful foundational experience for me as a young boy. I was running home from school, crying at the last day of school because I I really liked my teacher. I know I was a weird kid. Some of you are like, I knew he was different. Yeah, I am, but... I ran home, I was crying, I locked myself in my room, and I remember this, my mom sat outside, I was in the dark, crying. She sat outside, knocking on my door for probably an hour, just, hey, Jordan, I want you to open up and tell me what's going on. Jordan, I want you to open up the door and tell me what's going on. Jordan, I want you to open up the door and tell me what's going on. This persisted for for a long time. Until finally I did, I opened up, I told her why I was hurting, and I experienced comfort. And I found relief. I actually found peace, right? And I have many stories, like many memories in my life, the only times when she would just dig in and finally get me to open up about what was going on inside, and I would find peace. I would find comfort in that place. It would, it would, it would break me out of this funk that I was in through the power of comfort. When life went to hell, I was in depression, I was in pain, I was having crazy, irrational fear, crazy, irrational experiences. Everything was chaos inside. All of a sudden, the voice of the Holy Spirit started sounding a whole lot like my mom. Jordan, I want you to open up and tell me what's going on inside. Jordan, I want you to open up and tell me what's going on inside. I had no idea what I was doing. It felt like I was stumbling in the dark. I got a journal. I just started writing. This is what's going on. This is my anger. This is my pain. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. And I would find comfort. And in that comfort, I would find peace. And I didn't have language what was, for t- what was taking place, but I intuitively began to discern that if I would sit long enough in the disturbance that I was experiencing, and if I would just fight long enough and express long enough, suddenly that whisper would come and it would invite me through all the noise and into the peace of God. And I wouldn't stay there, but it, I didn't need to stay there yet. I, it, was, it was something just to know I could get there. And the more that I got there, the more it became easier to get there. Are this making sense to you? It was like I was, I was discovering that, wow, my soul is not as scary, right? I was scared to death of emotions. I was scared to death of negative emotions. I was scared to death of disturbance. So why I could never go and cultivate internal peace in a place of silence and solitude where I would hear the voice of God is because I was too scared of all this noise. I was too scared of all these negative thoughts. I was too scared of depression. I was too scared of all the things that the world says is very scary. And we are living in a day and age where anxiety and depression are starting to reign as king. People don't want to talk about it. People don't want to think about it. Let's just take the drugs. Let's just get busy. Let's just go, go, go. Because we don't want to act like these could actually exist because we don't know if we could actually get free. I have news for you. We serve a resurrected Jesus that died on a cross and rose again and said, I have the keys to hell and death and depression and anxiety do not reign over me. I am the Prince of Peace. I am the Lord of Lords. But the church doesn't believe that. 
The church confesses it, but we are not walking as a pillar of hope. We are not the beacon of light that God wants us to be to look at the world and say, no, there is a cure to depression and anxiety, and it's not stuffing it, and it's not just saying a prayer and saying, be healed. It's actually sitting in the disturbance and letting the comforter say, tell me what's going on. 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 Process, process, process. And then he speaks and he speaks and he draws you not away, right? It's like there's like a tornado going inside you when these things are happening. You don't just push the tornado away. You have to face it and recognize that there's peace in the midst of it. That is an unshakable peace that you find in the person of Jesus who rose over it all. It's the power of comfort. Right? Our souls are not irrational. Our emotions are not irrational. Right? And I, I felt this just from the Lord, that some of you in this room even, you, you have irrational experiences of emotion. If you will sit with the Holy Spirit, your comforter, he will actually bring you to very rational places where that emotion's coming from. And you'll find that your soul is speaking a message. You just haven't learned the language of your soul yet because you've never spent the time. You don't know this internal world that's inside you. You don't know your as well as you think you do. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every cell of your being. He knows every nuance of your life. He made your soul. He loves your soul. He made your emotions. He loves your emotions. He can handle your emotions, but you have to let, you have to go there with him. Don't stuff. Don't just push him away. Don't be afraid of all the noise and the resistance. Press into it and press into the peace of God. This stillness where there is this peace of God that is deep and way and it allows you, once you get there, you know that you can live an unshakable life. I heard a, a story I was just reading uh, in a book recently. It's, a, you know, our souls are very complex. And they have incredible memory, right? Because our soul is this in-between of our spirit and our flesh. So it's, it's spiritual, but it's also, you know, natural in a way. It's this in-between. And uh, it was just a, just a story, just an example. What I'm talking about is it was a, a girl who was having high, high, high anxiety in all relationships of her life. And she went to counseling. She said, I don't understand why, but every time... I think it was like every time my husband leaves the house, I feel like he's never going to come back and he's going to abandon me. And I don't know why. It's this irrational. It's like I'm growing crazy. I'm losing my mind. In counseling, they said, well, I think you need to go back and maybe ask your parents some questions about your childhood. Turns out there was a story she'd never been told when she was an infant. Her mom got in a car wreck. Her mom got rushed off on the ambulance. She got left on the side of the road for about an hour crying in the midst of all the craziness of the scene, separation anxiety, this deep trauma. Never even knew about it. She was a little tiny infant. But now, as a, as an, as a grown woman, having the same feelings as if she's a baby on the side of the road being abandoned for no reason at all. She thought she was irrational and going crazy. No. She was having a very rational experience to trauma. Does this make sense to you? Right? So inevitably, what will always stand between us and this place of stillness, right, to get to the stillness is all the things, all the fears and anxieties and turbulences and traumas of life. That's what's going to bark and say, no, no, I don't want to know that's scary. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep talking and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing. 
right? But it's in quietness and rest that we find our strength. It's in the gentleness and the peace of God that we hear the whisper. So if we're to be a people of intimacy, we have to learn to become very familiar and comfortable with silence daily. Right? And I just feel like I'm supposed to share this, but sometimes even Christian music in your car when you're driving is you trying to escape the silence to keep your mind, no, I'm just going to listen to the stimulation. There's times I can tell when I want to listen, and the Lord says, turn the music off. Just be with me. All right, so it's learning to stay in tune. All right, and this is not this overnight jump where you're going to get it. This is something that right, we're going we're gonna to seek to cultivate and seek to grow in. Right, and, the, and the deeper that we can go, right, and the more that we can establish boundaries and parameters on this, and the more it becomes weighted. Because peace, the way I describe the peace of God is it's like, it's like a 10,000-foot deep river. Right? It's not easily disturbed. It is deep and it is wide. And you can throw a, bill, a boulder into the middle of that and it will just swallow it and it will stay right on its course. Right? That is the peace of God. It is massive. It is powerful and it is not easily disturbed. Right? And God, the spirit of peace, the Holy Spirit, the dove of heaven, is looking for men and women of peace, which he can commune with. Right? He's the prince of peace. He speaks in peace. You know how all of you, you know, you kind of have like your favorite coffee shop? And our staff, they got in like a 10-minute discussion about which coffee shop was the best. And I don't like to work in that one. I like to talk in that one. Right? Like atmospheres is what we're describing. Right? We like different atmospheres to communicate in. And Jesus' preferred communication takes place in a atmospheres of peace and that's why he desires you and I to become places of peace because that's where he's easily communed with and easily understood so he wants intimate communication alright so some of you say this is going to be a whole new world for you a whole new journey uh, but I just some of you this is I just feel like this is a word from the Lord to you is that he, he's giving you a map tonight, like a, a coat, a co, you know how you have like a little legend on the map that tells you what the, like, I feel like God is going to give you in the language of your soul to begin to decipher and understand what's actually happening in your own heart. And that for some of you, it's time to stop taking for granted that you, you understand everything that's taking place inside of you and to actually recognize that you need help to even know that. But God's going to give it to you. He's giving you. He's giving you what you need. It's like to start deciphering and understanding, wow, this means this. When this happens, it means this, right? And to love your own soul. And I actually feel like, you know, just everyone just close your eyes. I'm just going to sit in a few moments of silence here. And, and some of you... You may be convicted right now that you've uh, judged your own soul. You've judged your emotions.
this is a good time to just bless your soul. Often in the scriptures, they, they speak of the bowels or the stomach as the place of feeling. So I just, some of you, I just want you to put your hand on your stomach. And you just need to bless your soul. Bless your emotions. Bless the center of feeling that God has given you. Say, I'm sorry for how I despise the messages you've been speaking. How I've overlooked or negated the pain that you've been in. How I've told you to stop sending me any of the disturbing messages. Jesus, we thank you for the soul. We thank you for our emotions. We thank you for the inner world that's within us. And we thank you for peace. And I speak peace into this room. My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken.
thank you for rest. We thank you for peace. We thank you for solitude. God, we desire to be alone with you and at rest, to live lives of intimacy with you. We desire to fulfill the command to abide in you. And we thank you that you are our teacher. So teach us how to rest in your easy yoke, in your light burden. Teach us how to rest. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for teaching and comforting us and leading us on the inner journey into the very heart of the place we came from, the heart of God. Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.